welcome to week five of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm Josh Wyatt, as always, joined by Nick Splitter. Nick, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. What a what an interesting week we have coming up. What a what an interesting t- last twenty four hours uh, that we have seen unfold. I just want to start off the bat, and uh, you know, I am a Colts fan, so this might be coming from a bad place, but uh, I just want to say, fuck the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, and then. For Roger Saffold to come out and tweet, quote tweet, Paul Kaharski, who's a great beat, beat writer. He used to cover the AFC South, so I remember reading a lot of his Colts stuff early, early, early days. Has evidence, everything, a story about how they broke protocols, and then he yeah. pretty much confirms the unconfirmed report by saying, like they don't, you know, they don't do this for fun. This is their livelihood. This is their family. This is their opportunity. Like you need to think, mate. Like you breaking all the re- all the rules is ruining the livelihood of the entire league. Way exactly more players, right. exactly way right. more players. Like every other freaking team is following the rules, and you're about to undo the whole league. A lot of players on minimum wage, a lot of staff, a lot of coaches and personnel, social media people. Then you've got people that cover the NFL for a living. Like. This is millions of people's jobs that you're just putting on the line from reckless behaviour. So I just want to get that off the bat. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it is a very good call because, like you said, it's not just their lives and their livelihoods that they're messing with. It is the rest of the league. And we spoke before the yeah. season about, you know, the risk to, you know, the NFL hasn't implemented bubbles or anything like that. So you know, everyone's out yeah. in the open. Um, yeah. And and the possibility at the start of the season for the the, the season to be paused indefinitely or, or even cancelled was, you know, compared to other sports quite high. And yeah. I would have thought that that risk is amplified right now. Yeah. I mean, when you have a team of a league of 32 teams and like 80% of the COVID people on the COVID list are from one team, you're doing it wrong. The organization should be fined, should lose draft picks. Um, players that have been reckless and broke protocols should maybe lose money from their salary or, or what that needs to be heavy, heavy implications here so the rest of the team sort of straighten up because it's kind of just left left the NFL in this mess because it's unfair to like forfeit teams like the Bills yeah. if they get an easy win this week they're five and zero oh without lifting a lifting a finger and that's unfair yeah. on the rest of the teams in the in the in the division especially the Pats who just played against the, the reigning Super Bowl champs without their quarterback whether Cam broke pro- protocol or not I'm not sure how he contracted COVID but now Stefan Gilmore has it as well so there's a couple of little smaller isolated inc- incidents with teams which are, that could easily just happen through family contact but the titans mm. seem to be the most reckless of them all but um, it's just very infuriating yeah 100 percent. anyway let's look back to biggest takeaways from week four where we don't have to talk about the titans because they didn't play uh my first one is i'm going to get this off the bat this is yes. a, an official an official apology from one josh to another been waiting um, for this for weeks yeah, so I've got an official uh, Josh Allen apology form. I saw um, Sam Monson uh, tweeted out from uh, Pro Football Focus, and uh, yeah, I will uh, I will also fill it out and, and maybe tweet it out on on the Punt Return podcast. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a Josh Allen apology f- form. The reason for the behaviour is I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe maybe I was just jealous of Josh Allen. I don't know. Maybe I didn't get on the MVP sixty seven dollars. Um, by the way, Evan Silver out of nowhere. Favorite to tweet of mine that I quote tweeted of his about six weeks ago. So he's keeping receipts. You know, he deleted tweets when he bagged out Deshaun Watson after a preseason game. I'm keeping my Josh Allen tweets. Um, that's fine. I was wrong. I just, I was incredibly wrong. I just didn't think he could improve his accuracy that this much, like, or even enough to be consistent, let alone the improvements. It's almost suspicious how good he's improved. I mean, are they drug <laughs> testing? Like, it seems crazy but yeah like i thought he had his best game like he 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 threaded a lot more tight window throws against the raiders a lot of the other games i went back and there was like just digs and brown getting wide open and he was just hitting Mm. wide open but he hit some proper good throws against the raiders i thought that was his best passing performance and that was enough for me to say there's my apology i don't think he's in front of russell wilson or aaron Rodgers in the mvp candidate candidacy or the race for that uh, award, but I think that's your number one takeaway this week. Yeah, it is. My, my big thing is, are we once again underrating Aaron Rodgers? Like, he's having a phenomenal season. I know it's only it's only four weeks, but 
if it wasn't for Russell Wilson and the the superb season that he's that he's having, we'd be talking a rad for for MVP. Yeah, and it would would almost be you know without Wilson, there'd be no one else. Hmm. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is kind of like an Olympics, like. Like he's still good for three years, but then once every four years, and it's like an Olympic year, he just comes out with these like amazing seasons. Like it just, it feels like it's like a four year. It's just one every four years he has like an MVP season, and this is it. I mean, he it was only Atlanta, but like missing Lazard and Devontae Adams just out of nowhere, like makes yeah. Rob, Robert Toyin, baby Kittle, some have labeled him. Um, yeah, but, but a I'm great performance the, from Rogers. Yeah, he's, I agree. He's when he's on form and he's having these type of seasons. He he walks the walk and he talks the talk, and it feels like he's yeah. got his confidence back, his swagger back as well. Yeah. Um, well I love the comments, interviews with him at the moment. Yeah, the yeah. comments through the week just just amazing, um, and he he looks like he's having fun again. Yeah, it's also probably because he split up with his missus too, so maybe he's just a bit happier in that <laughs> regard. So that could be it as well. Maybe. He's got um, a better relationship we're, we're, with better relationship with his head coach than his ex missus. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, my second takeaway from week four is is Matt rules or Matt rules, whatever you want to call him. I think he rules. Um, I just think he gets it. Um, this Panthers, de- you know, this young defense with like six or seven rookies, they're starting to improve, starting to find their feet, um, especially when they've had no preseason at all. Like they kind of hit the ground running and it was sort of baptism by fire, but they're kind of starting to get a little bit better and starting to make plays. And they're just a fun sort of game pass team to watch. I like, I'm enjoying watching the Panthers. Like even without Christian McCaffrey, the offense still is, is mm. flowing. You still make like you, you had Mike Davis and Reggie or Rodgy. I don't even know what his first name is. Bonifon <laughs> running for like 200 yards. Like it was just, it was a fun game. I think he's a really impressive young head coach and I just hope he doesn't um you know take the foot off the pedal but I think mm. the Panthers I don't think they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that that some people might have suggested but I just think they're going to be a team that's uh, going to spoil a few teams runs and, and be a little bit of a tough sort of road game um down the stretch yeah I've called them the, the funthers in in some of my notes below but that's um, a terrible uh, it is terrible. bad it is bad that's, but that's yeah. I had that's fun writing my Matt rules <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't. I don't think the Panthers are a playoff team just yet. But I think you're right that they can they can ruin some some seasons al- yep. along the way. So uh, yeah, it is it is really fun to watch them. My second one, I guess, is is a bit more of a question because we've talked about it for a couple of years on this show. It, it's finally done. Bill O'Brien is gone. He's out of Houston. So what do we want to see from the Texans now? <laughs> I feel like this is like my Josh Dunks on the AFC South podcast um, because the Titans are just effing everybody's business up with COVID and, and now uh, the, the Texans finally fire Bill O'Brien after we've been calling for it for, what, 18 months to two years? Something like that, yeah. Um, look, I think Bill O'Brien is an impressive person. I mean, his family and situation and everything like that, I think he's a I think he's a, a good human being, but just as a, as a head coach and GM, I just think he was out of his depth and mm. um, especially as a GM and, and a lot of people are saying that it wasn't, it was forced on him and you know, that's fair enough, but that doesn't mean you just make shit decisions like one after the other after the other. And now firing him is 10 months too late um, because he's just left the Texans with cap hell, no first no round or second round pick next week, next year. And Deshaun Watson's just left on his lonesome. So whoever they get in, I think they need a really shrewd GM, someone that can, um, you know, get a lot of basement prices and a lot of value late in the draft and just kind of rework their roster situation. It might be a sort of a one to two year rebuild and that's tough when you've got a quarterback like Deshaun Watson in his prime. Mm. I still think you're a desirable head coach like destination because of Watson's ability and his ceiling. So maybe Eric Bieniemy looks at that and says, I can work with Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't need crazy personnel to make things work because I can scheme up and, and coach um, the, the things around him and be, you know, not like a crap play call. I'm not punt from my opponent's 40-yard line constantly like Bill O'Brien used to do. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I just don't know what they're going to be like the rest of the year because they still just got Cronell and uh, whoever their offensive coordinator was that was playing call that was playing calls in weeks one to three that's been under Bill O'Brien for a couple of years. So anonymous, yeah. I don't even know his name <laughs> at this point. It, it is a really interesting one. I think if, if they're going to go with an... I guess a, a new head coach, a, a young, brand new head coach, then Bienemy or Benimi, whatever is, you know, how we pronounce it, I think is probably the obvious choice just because of his his offensive play calling and, and his offensive experience. But yeah, you know, I, I think we, we know what they can do 
when they've got the ball. I think the question marks, the big question marks are how do they protect Deshaun Watson and what do they do when they don't have the ball? Um, and so they're, they're kind of the, the two big things for me. And if if they're able to to invest in an in offensive line, that really has to be the first thing. But if they can't, then they're going to have to look at trading Deshaun Watson because there is a massive call, massive call, but there are not a lot of avenues for them to get back into the draft, for them to to get back into financial security. Hmm. I just don't know if a team would do that. It just seems since Asinine when you've got a, top, a uh, top five quarterback in terms of potential there. I, it's I just, a massive rebuild. Yeah. I mean, they, is, they're going to have to do a, a rebuild mess. anyway. It's, a it's just a matter a of how, how far they go. Yeah, but on any given year, like as we've seen, Deshaun Watson can win you 10 games and, and you can sneak into the playoffs. So Absolutely. I don't know. I, we'll see how we go. Um, all right, moving on. Listener questions. We'll get to the COVID thing when we get to the Titans game later on about what the options are if we're going well for time. Uh, listener questions uh, from Patrick Hogan. If they remain healthy, can the Steelers pip the Ravens for the AFC North? Um, I think it comes down to the head-to-head games. I think basically, and also how they, if they can, you know, go two and zero or one and one or zero and two against the Browns, who are sticking around as well. So um, I think it just comes down to their games inside the division. Um, but yeah, sure, like why not? Like it's the NFL; anything can happen. And the Steelers look pretty good, but you know that week four buy kind of hurts when Big Ben in his age and state probably could have done with a buy later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in our season preview, I had Pittsburgh as the biggest challenger for to, to Baltimore. Um, but yeah, I mean they they've got to they've got to improve their offense. I think that they've their offense has stagnated a little bit in the last couple of weeks, um, yep. which I think they will. They've, they've got so much talent; they will that will get better. But absolutely, you're right. It comes down to those division games, and and if. Pittsburgh can stay in the in the positive, so to speak. Then, uh, you know, they're, they're a big chance. Yep. Uh, all right. Results from last week. Uh, I went two and one to go nine two and one on the season so far with my best bets. I'm having a pretty good start to the seasons, but Jesus Christ, the Lions! You lead fourteen to nil and not cover four and a half. Um, I know you laughed at me for taking the Lions last week, and I should just say yes. Matt Patricia and double-digit leads. It's un, it's unfathomable how bad he is with a double-digit lead. I think he's – like, it's like a 30% gap on anyone in the NFL with double-digit leads. Like, it's just – yeah, that's my new target now. He's candidate number one in terms of get get him fired. Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise after me. After Bill O'Brien. So I, I was very surprised that, that you took that last week. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I thought it was I, just a great spot. I love him as an underdog. I love Matt Stafford yeah. in that spot, but it just – yeah, just didn't happen. I can't uh, yeah. talk though because I had a yeah, shocker. Gonna... I had my yeah. worst worst week in best bets in probably two years. I think in podcast history, I don't think you've ever gone zero and three on your. I don't best think bets. I have. I don't think I have. So that was that was pretty awful. I did get a long shot though. I did get yes, Dak Prescott four hundred plus at, at five fifty. So yeah. fingers crossed that starts something. The run and Russell Wilson was like thirty yards short for the four hundred plus. Yeah, as not well, far. So. That was that was at sevens or eights. So yeah, it would have been so. nice. That would have been nice. All right, let's get straight into week five now. Um, Green Bay and Detroit have the bye. Uh, Thursday night football, Tampa Bay minus three and a half at Chicago. Total is 44 and a half. I've been doing some early look-ahead work with my numbers before updating my ratings. And if anything stands out blatantly, because my ratings don't ever move too dramatically um, on a week-to-week basis. So I took some Chicago plus five and a half on Monday. Um, I'll probably look at taking some Tampa minus three and a half here and or even flat three. So I'll keep an eye on things tomorrow and try and hope for a Bucks four-point win and double down on that gap there. But, yeah, my numbers have this Tampa Bay minus four. So it's a small lean on them at the minus three and a half as it currently stands. But there's a lot of outs on the Bucks offense. Um, but that's not a really concern because their best part of their offense has actually been their O-line. It's been amazing. Um, they've been really, really stout. They've just been playing so well. Brandon Thorne, who's a good O-line analyst on Twitter, is, I think he has three of the Bucks O-line in his top O-line so far through the season. So um, I think that's helping Brady a lot because he kind of just wilts under pressure and he's, in his age, just doesn't quite have the mo- subtle movements to avoid pressure like he used to. Um, look, Chicago's offense has been gross, but um, I think their defense is still pretty saucy and can keep things interesting for a bit. But look, three and a half is pretty small for the number one DVO rated team against the number 22 DVO rated team. So I'm probably lean Tampa, but I'm going to pass officially on the pod today. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I th- you're right with 
pretty much all of that. I lean Bucks as well at, at that line. I much prefer a flat three if it gets to it, uh, but I probably will have a, a little play on the three and a half. The, the home ground advantage really isn't as an advantageous in, in this season as, as we're used to. You know, limited fans, the Bears can just about use any advantage they can get at the moment. Um, they played the number one defense in football last week. This week they come up against number two. And we all know about the Bears' offense, as you mentioned. The, the Bucks' offense is just hitting its stride. You know, Brady threw for five touchdowns last week, five different receivers. Ronald Jones averaging nearly six yards per carry, had 20 carries last week. Uh, seventh most efficient offense in the NFL. They were 16th last week. It shows, it shows how, how good they were last week on mm-hmm. offense, despite having some, some personnel issues, like you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I lean the Bucks. I'd much prefer it at the, at the single field goal, but uh, probably a little play, not touching any players at this point. The strength of both teams defensively just pushes me right away from, from player player bets at the moment. Yeah, if I'm having a player bet, probably Scotty Miller over, I think he's like 48, 49 and a half yards. Um, I think, look, Evans will play, but like without OJ Howard, without Chris Godwin, like there's a lot of outs there and Scotty Miller's looked like he's kind of been a reliable target for Brady. I think that was his, he was averaging four yards per attempt at halftime. He was playing <laughs> dreadful in the first half and then it finally opened up. Um, Anthony Lynn gifted them an, an easy like six yard touchdown drive by deciding to run it with a minute 30 left in the first half inside your own half instead of trying to give the Chargers a chance to, to go up even more. And that could have been a totally different game, but um, the second half was probably the best performance by the Bucks. Offense, a so good sign for the Bucks mm. trending in the right direction. Actually, um, now that you mentioned it, that, that was yeah. another that was another little long shot that I got last week. Was Mike Evans hundred plus receiving yards? There we go. So long shot. Like you didn't like it. Uh, I didn't. No, I wasn't overly keen. And I didn't. I didn't put it in my in my best long shots either. So it was. Uh, no. You talked me out of it. Sorry, mate. So <laughs> sorry. Arizona minus seven and a half at the New York Jets. Total is forty six and a half. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean the 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 fun at the Cardinals from the first couple of weeks has kind of gone out of Arizona at the moment. They've, they've thumped back to earth the last couple of weeks, lost to the Lions at home, and then last week to, to the Panthers away. Um, two of the bottom five defensive teams so far this season. Um, you know the Jets are trash, but there's no way that the Cardinals should be seven or eight point favourites on the road here. Um, the Jets' defense is still better than average, better than league average, and, and so that worries me. Uh, with the Cardinals' offense kind of stuttering at the moment, so I do really love DeAndre Hopkins against the the Jets' pass rush and pass defense. Um, I was I was actually as I was going through my notes, I, I had in my notes that I was I was thinking about the Jets plus seven and a half, but remembered Sam Darnold was out, and that makes this game a really solid pass for me. But DeAndre Hopkins mm. props. That was a tremendously bad beat for anyone on the Jets last week with that last Melvin Court at the plus three. Melvin Gordon touchdown. That was bad. horrendous. But yeah, look, the Cardinals' offense has kind of been caught out the last two weeks. The O-line's regressed kind of back to the mean. They had a good opening two weeks, but they're just not letting Kyle have much time to get the ball down the field. So they're 25th in the NFL in yards per pass attempt and 28th in yards per completion. So it's a lot of dinking and dunking, a lot of like DeAndre Hopkins 14 catches for 115 yards or something like very Jarvis Landry-like numbers. <laughs> from DeAndre Hopkins, which is really sad. Um, and I think this quarterback change hurts the Jets. I was tempted to take them plus seven and a half. I've got this at flat seven. So with that extra hook, I was kind of leaning towards the Jets. But I think Donald's mobility has been their best asset this season on a very limited offense. Like he's kept plays mm. alive um, with, with movements. Also got him injured instead of just hitting the deck and taking a sack. But he also you know been picking up first downs and ran running in for for touchdowns as well, but he Flacco doesn't have much like, else to work with. No, he's a statue right now. I just don't trust Flacco to hit Crowder like nine or ten times a game as I do Sam Darnold. So um, I'm going to pass on this one altogether. Um, all right, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta minus two. Total is fifty four and a half. I'm going to take the Carolina money line here, but I am going to hold off and just wait on ins and outs because Atlanta really banged up really banged up at the moment. So I want to see who's in or who's out. If, if they get some reinforcements in the secondary, then I'll probably pass. But as it stands right now, I'm on the Carolina money line. We talked about them at the, at the top of the show, but with um, Bill O'Brien gone, um, my secondary target until Matt Patricia gets fired will be Dirk Cutter. 
You have fucking Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and you're the most run-heavy team in the NFL on second down, and you rank 31st in the NFL in early down pass rate in terms of first and second downs. You're running the ball with Todd Concrete Boots Gurley at the moment. Like, just get the fuck out of here with this shit, man. It's <laughs> driving me nuts. Um, you can tell I'm fed up at the moment. There's a lot of swearing this week, but I'm just just over these coaches. Like, I just don't understand. Like, you have a former MVP. He's still throwing the ball decent, but it just seems just like – it just seems asinine to me, the, the play calling. So that that shits me. So I think Carolina is just going to out, completely outcoach. Matt Rule in his fifth game is about to outcoach a couple of veterans who have who've made Super Bowls. Um, but that's just the way the NFL is trending. Yeah, I might have to put the uh, the explicit tag on on this episode this week. It's, uh, Potentially, we'll, we'll see how we go. My Campbelltown, my Campbelltown show. <laughs> it's all good. I like it. I like <laughs> it. A bit, bit more passion. Um, yeah, look, I, I really want to take the overs here because I, I have this theory about the Panthers this year and overs. Although they've screwed me the last couple of weeks. Um, just quietly, <laughs> Robbie Anderson turning into one of the recruits of the year. Seven receptions yeah. and ninety four yards per game. Average at the moment, uh, and worth looking at the props on him. Again, the Falcons, as we know, terrible pass defense. Um, also, Fort Worth Stats Insider currently have this game is nearly pick'em, but they've got the Panthers favorite fifty one percent at the moment. The predicted score of twenty seven twenty six, and we know how good like their NFL model is very good. So that that does scare me from anything. So I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> but like I said, Robbie Anderson, I thought seventy five plus receiving yards against this defense. At even money, a dollar ninety. I thought that was that was uh, very nice. Yeah. I mean, he's go big or go home with Robbie. One hundred and twenty-five plus, five yeah. fifty. Yeah, exactly. I don't, exactly. I don't mind it. Uh, the prediction pre- projection for seventy-seven yards on uh, four for four. So dollar ninety around that. Yeah, shop around. You might get a you might get a different over under. So. Um, that's pretty good. I like that. Anderson, mm. I mean, another player just excelling outside of Adam Gates. Um, yes, all right. Jacksonville absolutely. at Houston. Houston minus six and a half. Total is 54. My numbers have this Houston minus three and a half. Um, so this is, from a numbers perspective, my favorite play of the week. I'm not sure how much the coaching change will impact Houston. We talked about that. Maybe it improves the locker room morale. Apparently, J.J. Watt was like over the moon mm. about the, 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 which is really weird. Um, because he, he, he was raging at him on the sideline at practice one day last week, wasn't he? Yeah, apparently. So this is a yeah maybe a, a hostile locker room. So maybe from a morale perspective, we'll see better from the Texans. But I just don't know if the interim head coach and and Tim Kelly is the offensive play caller who called the first three matches. And yeah, so they've just gone kind of back to Romeo Cornell and Tim Kelly. So so from an actual play calling perspective, nothing's really changed. Um, but I do have some concerns at the plus six and a half, just looking at the Jags defense, the 32nd incompletion percentage allowed at 77%. Staggeringly high. They're tied for 31st in tackles for loss, tied for 31st in sacks with four, 29th in QB rating allowed, tied for 30th in yards per attempt allowed, and 27th in adjusted yards per attempt. So that is very, very, very ugly. But at the same time, Houston's defense is just as bad and I think uh, Robinson and Minshew can keep this thing into a shootout. I'm I'm tempted by the overs as well, but um, I'm going to be taking some Watson overs, some Fuller overs as well, and stacking them in DFS big time this week. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Lottie. Those numbers are concerning because we know that Jacksonville have the worst pass defense in, in the league um, and one of the worst defensive lines on pass protection as well. You know, they've they've generated just four sacks in four games, and so there should be there should be plenty of points because, like you said, that the Texans' defense is terrible too. But I, I like this line. I don't think I don't think the Texans should be should be that favorited over almost anyone um, this season, just on on what we've seen already. So I'm 100 percent Jacksonville um, top ten offense so far this season off the back of of their incredible undrafted free agent. He's basically a top ten running back in nearly every valuable metric. James Robinson. So there's plenty of holes in the Houston defensive line. They're 30th for, for run block DVOA. Um, so I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for, for Jacksonville to score. Um, so that line is is pretty pretty solid for me. I like the overs again, as, as I said, for Carolina. Um, I think Jacksonville is one of those teams that, that I think you always look at the overs 
um, regardless of what that line is. It won't be a big play, but I'll have a little play and, and a little nibble on, on Jacksonville money line as well. Yeah, that's going to be one of my long shots this week uh, with the lack of player props around. I'll, I'll tip this one up on the show, but I'll, I'll, we'll post our other ones on Twitter over, over the weekend. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Jacksonville uh, money line at $3.25 here and just uh, roll with Minshew Mania, really. Mm. So that, that's where we're at. We just got a listener question actually on Twitter um, from Daniel Laidlaw, I think. He is asking us if, let's have a look, will the NFC come down to which contender fixes its defense first? Good question. That is a good question. I think when you're looking at the two contenders in Green Bay and Seattle, I think Green Bay are, are probably ahead defensively right now. Um, but Seattle have the potential, I think, to get better. But I think it could be come down to if if New Orleans can fix its offense because its defense is good when it gets players back. Um, and I still have them as uh, one of the top NFC teams at the moment in terms of my rating. So it's, yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's at the moment, it's a race in three, but I think you could see the Bucks emerging as well. If they fix their offense first as well, it's kind of a NFC South offense race. If where the Drew Brees can remain unwashed um, and, and whether Tom can gel properly enough in time for the, uh, for the playoffs. Well, the NFC is, has been surprisingly interesting, you know, based on what we thought preseason, you know, the Rams are playing good football. They're, they're good on both offense and defense. Um, like you said, the Packers are, are better defensively than the Seahawks are, but I think Seattle have more to gain. So if they if they can if if they can get their defense right, then all of a sudden I, I'm not sure anyone can catch them in the NFC at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I their think offense they just need to be yeah, they their just need to be league so average ahead. Ahead. defense. That's right. That's yeah. right. Their offense yeah. is so yeah. far ahead at the moment. Um, so if if you're right, if they can just be league average on defense, um, then you know, they will they'll run away with with the NFC. But you're yeah. right. It's question marks about New Orleans. The Rams are up there. Packers, the Vikings, like even the Vikings, if they if they put things together, we know the Vikings can be competitive. Um, it's just a matter of how far they can go. So, a lot of questions. I actually, I actually read that wrong. So Seattle actually have the edge DVOA defensively to Green Bay at the moment, and they just signed Snacks Harrison against Green go. Bay and Seattle were racing for the uh, formerly retired nose tackle. Um, so that's going to help beef up their run defense and interior for Seattle. So that's huge. But, yeah, good question. Um, speaking of the NFC, the Rams, minus seven on the road at Washington. Total is 45 and a half. I don't really have much to say about this game. Um, it's kind of a sideways change at quarterback for me, um, going from uh, Kyle, uh, going from Haskins to Kyle Allen. Haskins is bad. So is Allen. Um, it could be a wake-up call motivation for Haskins, who knows what's going on behind the scenes or in the locker room at all. You've got to trust Ron Rivera. Like, he's he's done this. He's, he knows what he's doing. Uh, so I think it's a sideways call in terms of talent, but it could be kind of you know, fundamental or motivational reasons behind it that we just don't know about. I think the Rams win. A lean Rams minus seven, but it's a pass for me. I really hope that the that Washington haven't ruined Dwayne Haskins because I think he can be a good quarterback. I just think that you reckon? He, was, oh, I he wasn't. He, I don't think he was ready when he came in as, as starter. I don't think he was ready. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the pass for me too. It's good offense, good defense, makes for a really fascinating game. But I don't really want to play it at all. I, I really like Daryl Henderson props this week, but nothing's really out there yet. So I'm just waiting to see what that looks like. I think he'll he'll have a big game. The big difference maker across both sides of the ball is is the Rams' efficient run game against. Washington's Washington's 18th ranked rush defense. So that's it for me. Yeah. Haskins reeks of a quarterback that's not going to be good for his first team, but wherever he ends up next will yeah. probably end up being decent. Just feels like that's where a team realizes that they have they can use him a little bit better. Um, better offensive Philly, line and some weapons would help. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, Philly at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh minus seven. Total is 44. How about those Eagles? <laughs> Hey, I was on them last week. Even had a small dabble, a dabble on the money line too when that line peaked out at like eight and a half. Um, yeah, that was it got to nine at one point, which is just – I was a snap that right up. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Um, and, and leading the division, the NFC least, uh, one, two, and one division winner, division leaders, crazy times. Um, if 2020 were a division, it would be the NFC. That's it. Um, look, I don't like the line here at all, but – 
Um, I do like getting a, a really low total of 44 um, in 2020 where, you know, offensive penalties are just ridiculous. Like they're unheard of. Holding, go nuts. OPI, go nuts. Do whatever you want. We want points. We want big plays. Um, we want action. NFL, you got two good quarterbacks in, in Wentz. I know the jury's still out on, on how he played so far, but he's getting some receivers back. They're practicing this week. You got Ben Roethlisberger as well. Um, so, yeah, there's also a chance at defensive touchdown from Pittsburgh here or there. So give me the over 44. Um, and I just a shout out to Jordan Mailata, a very solid debut from the former rugby league uh, player and Australian. So I think he's going to only get better after he finds his feet. I think the, as the game went on, he, he got better and better and better. So um, still needs to work on his hands, but his feet, footwork and stuff's excellent. So um, yeah, good on him, man. If he has a couple more good games, then he's going to lock himself up into the NFL for a couple of years because teams need left tackles. And as a backup left tackle, you can still earn a mozzo in the NFL. Definitely. And that, and that was his first game as a starter in American starter, football. Yeah. Yep. Of any kind, <laughs> which yeah, is, is quite amazing. I mean, he, he, yeah, he was I'm just really glad solid. it wasn't. Both. Yeah, I'm just glad it wasn't against Nick Bosa because he would just eat him alive. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, he gave away gave away a penalty, a soft penalty, in in the first half. But I think he recovered yeah. really well and and played yeah. really solidly. So, um, yeah, really promising. And, and yeah. was that the most Australians ever on the field at, at, in, in, in a one game? Day? I think Three? I think so. Um, yeah, potentially it has to be it has to be quite high. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, two um, partners in Maylato. It's it's pretty pretty amazing, really. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you told me two months ago that that Philly would be one two and one with a tie at home against the Bengals and a road win over the Niners, I would have laughed at you. And even more so <laughs> if you told me that that one two and one would be leading the division. That is just ridiculously crazy. Uh, but yeah, passes always for me. Yeah, I think the sevens about right. I mean, Philly have potential to be a lot better, and you know, could they win this game? Sure. Could Pittsburgh yeah. win by seven, by 15, 14, whatever, two touchdowns? Yeah, sure. I, so, I really uh, like I, your call about a defensive touchdown for, for Pittsburgh. I think that's a very solid, very yeah. solid play. All right, let's move on to, um, I don't know if I'm biased, but I'm going to continue my just pro Colts AFC, F the rest of the um, <laughs> AFC South sort of feel here. I think this is the, the most interesting game of the week. Indy minus two and a half on the road at Cleveland. That line might have moved now. Like I did this yesterday. Um, so it could be oh, it's still two and a half or flat two probably. At Cleveland, total is 47. I said last week Bears versus Colts was kind of the most interesting game of the week in terms of learning about the two teams. Um, I think the mystery was solved when you looked at the Bears. You know, they, they were frauds and that was revealed. Um, didn't matter who was playing quarterback. It was just... It was just a mess offensively, and I just don't think they're a very well-coached team on that side of the football. Um, and I, But I still think the jury's still out on Indy. I think Rivers is struggling a little bit after his first couple of games, um, especially in the red zone. He's missing sort of Paris Campbell, Pittman, and, and, and Marlon Mack. And I'm thoroughly impressed with the Colts' defense, and I'm like obviously very impressed for the, the, the yardage record that they've, they've held and, and things like that, especially in 2020 where it's so – the rules so you know so vehemently favor the offense. It's pretty impressive, but they still haven't played like a very strong offensive team. And this is kind of their first real test, I think. The Browns' offense is rolling at the moment. They're really, really strong. Even without Nick Chubb, I still think they're going to be very, very strong because their run blocking on the offensive line has been phenomenal. Like they've just been unbelievable. So I think if the Colts can win that battle up front and slow down this, you know, Browns rushing attack and, and the offense down, then I think I'll, I'll be about ready to call this Colts defense elite. But until then, I still think they've just overachieved based on the opponents that they've played, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I'm really like, this is the nerd battle of the week. Is DeForest Buckner the highest rated PFF interior uh, defender right now? Even higher than Aaron Donald in terms of PFF rating against Wyatt Teller, I think, is the highest rated guard in the NFL. So that's a that's a blockbuster matchup. Um, so why well, I'm going to take the Browns, I'm taking the Browns because, and I'm taking them plus two and a half. Colts have three starting linebackers, including Darius Leonard, on the injury report. And I just don't think they match up well at wide receiver right now to take advantage of the Browns secondary and the injuries that they have at corner. So I think that those sort of injuries to the linebackers really helps Kareem Hunt and Dernis Johnson, this running game for the Browns. And I think, uh, I think this should be Cleveland pick them or, or, you know, Colts only by a point. So it's a fair big edge for, for Cleveland. So I like the Browns this week. Yeah. 
interestingly enough, this this is another one where Stats Insider have this one pretty much pick them, but siding with the underdogs. Um, they've got the Browns, 51% of simulations. It's really conflicting for me because you know how much I love the Colts this season. I think that they've built this roster really, really well. Um, yep. And, you know, like you said, we, we need to see them against some some really good teams. But, you know, I really like how they've, they've built this franchise over the last few years. Cleveland's offense is legitimately on fire right now. They've scored 34-plus in three straight, and they're coming off a massive win on the road at the Cowboys. Um, no need Chubb, like you said, but they've got the best number two running back in, in the league with Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, so it's, that's not a bad backup. I, I don't think they really will lose a whole lot with Chubb being out, as, as good as he is. Are the Browns legit? Well, we might find out this week. The Colts are the number one defense in the NFL at the moment. It's a pass for me just because I, I don't trust myself enough to play with Cleveland, um, and I don't trust Cleveland enough at, at the moment. I want to see them for a few more weeks. But I do have a question yeah. for you because I have T.Y. Hilton in fantasy, and I've stayed with him every week. So what's going on with T.Y. Hilton and the Colts' offense? Surely they've got to click at some point. There is so much talent there. They've got a great offensive line. They've got a... a, a an above-average quarterback. They've got good receivers. What, what's going on? Uh, we, we are injured at receiver, so we're down to, like, T.Y. Hilton and, like, a bunch of seventh or eighth, uh, yeah, r- round, like, it's seventh or eighth, like, undrafted, like, Z- uh, Zach Pascal and, and Mar- uh, Doris Fountain and, and uh, Ashton Jewell, and these are sort of undrafted uh, wide receivers. So that hurts, but, yeah, T.Y. It's still Jonathan, T-Y. Like Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. To, to, yeah, you know, vary to the run offense. the ball like they're, yeah. they're, they're extremely talented. They're just Ty and 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 Philip just haven't quite clicked yet. I saw some promising signs against the Bears. They hit on a couple of deeper shots that hadn't quite hit earlier in the season. So the signs are there, and this this would be the perfect game for Ty to go off at mm. because of the injuries at at corner. But I just don't know if they're just quite in sync yet. Um, Ty is you know a lot better than he has been, so. Uh, like he does, he he can play a lot better than he has been. The potentials mm. there. I always I always think Ty has been terribly underrated for most of his career. 100%. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's just yeah, it's a hard one. Um, but this Mo Ali Cox, the, the tight end, is very much looking like a legit baller, a great run blocker, great catcher of the football, another uh, Chris Ballard find. So yeah, it's a it's going to be an interesting match. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, the, the Browns are interesting. Like. They got gutter stomped in week one by the Ravens, and then they played the Bengals, Redskins, and the Cowboys defense, who have been just god awful. Yeah, it's just been a, the hype around the Browns. If they win against the Colts, and if they win convincingly against the Colts, then maybe they are legit. But if they, I don't know, if the Colts kind of crap the bed a little bit, like who knows? The Steelers next week, like this, the Browns have a pretty nice schedule. I just don't know if they're. They're a properly elite team yet. We'll have to wait and see. But I do think they're a playoff team at this point. Um, just looking at the, their road home, I think they can easily sneak in as a as a wild card team. So we'll wait and see. But the uh, madness around them if they if they go to four and one, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty cool to see all the Browns fans up and about and excited for for a change. Um, all right, let's move on. New York Giants at Dallas. Dallas minus nine and a half. Total is fifty four. Uh, yeah, this is, this is an interesting one. I uh, I think if you're betting on this game, it comes down to where you sit on this. Probably a simple question: Is the Cowboys' defense bad enough to give us a productive week from the Giants' offense, or is this Giants' offense just unsalvageable right now? And where do you sit on that? Well, I'm pretty strong on Dallas this week. Uh, yes, I know that their defense has been bad. I know they've conceded 30 plus three weeks in a row, but those have been against really really good offensive units in Seattle, Atlanta, and, and Cleveland, who are on fire, as we've just said. Dallas, I think, right the ship this week. I don't need to say a whole lot else. I, I prefer the flat nine to the nine and a half, but I'll still play this. I, I really think that they beat the Giants by by two or more touchdowns this week. They're 24th in pass, pass defense in the NFL, and, and we know how good Dak Prescott and that receiver core can be. So also got a factor in Jason Garrett revenge game, and uh, that's that's a huge... Huge important factor in this game. Just well, you know what that means. Well, that means that Dallas will win by four touchdowns. Yeah, to make really make it stick in. Um, I'm still worried about Dallas's defense. I just think they invite like a backdoor cover or or a team getting out to a lead. And a lot of their offense for Dallas has come when they've just it's kind of very Chuck Pagano ish with Andrew Luck. Whereas like the play calling only 
becomes elite when they're down double digits or down and behind. It's it's really conservative early on, and then when they get in these holes, that's when they open it up and Dak goes mm. bang bang. They need to do that from the start. They need to go yeah. into the game thinking we're down ten, um, and play with that mentality the whole way through. Well, that's, that's it. I'm kind you... of just banking on on the Cowboys just really wanting some retribution, some revenge for the last couple of weeks because they're getting yeah. slammed in Texas. They're getting slammed in yeah. Dallas. Yeah, um, Stephen A is and... having a right old time. Yeah, absolutely, and and rightly so too. Rightly yeah, exactly. so too. But yeah, I think you, you know they they have to attack. They've got to be on on the front foot from you know from yeah. the first play. They actually should be on four. If we went for that onside kick, they're, they're really on four, but yep. still have a quarterback that's probably fourth in and, MVP betting. It's, it's and bottom insane. in the NFC least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just they're just defense like this. Mike Nolan defense is just awful. I just I just don't know how you can. They do have some injuries. Yeah. They've got some injuries. Yeah, obviously. It's, they need, it still they need Van Der Esch back. Yeah. yeah, but they still shouldn't right. be this bad. Exactly. Uh, all right, Miami at San Fran. San Fran minus eight and a half. The total is 49 and a half. Um, this line's bang on for me. Um, I've got no real feel at all um, on either of these two teams. I like I enjoyed Miami's grit last week. They got a bit unlucky with that sort of uh, measurement there that they could have kept things interesting or, or closer against Seattle, um, and it was a pretty close game for the most part. And then San Fran kind of just shot themselves a foot a lot last week. They needed better from Mullins, who played really well the week before. Um, I still think they'll be thereabouts come week 17. They're too well coached not to be, and they'll get some players back. But they're really banged up at the moment. Um, a lot of people are calling for a quarterback change in Miami. I'm not I'm not sure. I feel like Fitzpatrick's been fine, but um, they just need to just get a little bit more protection up front. I've just got no real feel on this game at all. Um, so I'm going to pass and leave it all out together. Yeah, you're probably right. I think the, the line is is pretty good. I think kind of based on the numbers that it's about where it should be. But I think I think San Francisco are too good on both sides of the ball, even banged up, even missing players. You know, I think they're going to get Raheem Mostert back this week. Um, I think they're just too good. And, and Miami, at times, they don't look completely horrible. They, they do play some good football. But this is usually when when Ryan Fitzpatrick, the unicorn, the, the myth, the man, the legend that he is, kind of throws away the playbook and just does does something ridiculous. He turns on beast mode and, and you know a, an incredible throw or some sort of like fifteen yard lumbering run for a touchdown like last week and and you know, he he kind of I don't think you can coach him. The best the best play is when he doesn't follow the playbook. Um, and I think the Niners are. are Probably a little bit embarrassed about last week. Um, it was a really tough, a really tough beat against Philly last week, and I think they bounced back. I think they probably, I think, you know, if, if the line was nine or nine and a half, I'd be a little, little bit more conservative. But I, I like the Niners bounce back this week. Okay, so you're on San Fran minus eight and a half. I mean, betting yep. against Fitzpat- Fitzpatrick's is terrifying. We we talked I about it last week how how terrifying, terrifying that is, but it is yeah. Terrifying. But it's he because, it it's because he does Seattle. those things. Because it's because yeah. he does those things. He throws away the yeah. playbook and and he just plays fits magic. And yeah, uh, it is you, hard. Can't, you, you can't coach magic. It's just it just happens. <laughs> but the, I, um, I do. I trust. I really trust the the San Francisco coaching team. Yep, so. I, I agree. Uh, before we get to Sunday night football and Monday night football, just a quick speed round on on these games that are currently off the board. Um, feel free to chime in, Nick, if you've got any thoughts. But um, yep. Denver and New England off the board at the moment, obviously pending what's happening with New England. Um, I haven't named the starting quarterback, I think. It'll be Jared Stidham. Um, but, yeah, no Cam, no Stephon Gilmore. I've got this number around 7.5, assuming no Gilmore. Um, I think the number out there is New England flat 10 before it went off the board. But, yeah, I'm not going to take Brett Ripien or or – or whatever on the road against Bill Belichick, so that's pretty much a clear pass. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean you can't take you can't take a, a minus ten with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. I don't think even even with Bill Belichick. Um, yeah, but yeah, it'd be a pass for me. I think there. Yeah, uh, Las Vegas at Kansas City. That's off the board as well. I think both teams have a active COVID case, or, or Kansas City played against New England last week, and there was a photo of Pat Mahomes. Uh, high-fiving Stefan Gilmore or exchanging a jersey or whatever, you know, shaking hands or, or speaking to each other after the game. So I just want Pat Mahomes to be placed in sort of an airtight bubble and kept safe at all costs. If, if, there's, um, any, if there's any picture to, to send shivers through the NFL, and especially yeah. in Kansas City, it's that one. But uh, yeah. luckily, Stefan Gilmore was wearing gloves, so that's a, that's a good yeah. start. 
Um, Kansas City minus 12 is is the number I've got. Um, I think the number was around minus 13, so I'll pass. Like, yeah, just Kansas City at home. They they don't play good at all. They were pretty awful against the Pats for three quarters. And Mahomes should have had about three interceptions or three turnovers, got lucky and, and didn't end up having any, but then they still find a way to win and win comfortably by double digits. So they're even when they don't play well, they cover spreads. So I just like it just seems frustrating to bet against them. But at the same time, you could see them sort of leaving the back door open for for the for the Vegas team. So yeah, I'm going to pass on on that at, whenever that does open at that price. Yeah, no, big pass. The Raiders are one of my kind of weekly passes. I think I just don't I don't trust them at all. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati at Baltimore. That's off the board as well with Lamar Jackson sort of popping up on the. Uh, Injury list, big de- big gap between Lamar and RG3. Arguably kind of one of the biggest sort of drop-offs in quarterback talent from starter to reserve in the NFL. Um, I, I saw this tweet from um, Mike Renner of PFF this week. I thought it would be interesting to just quickly bring up. Joe Burrow is a top 10 graded quarterback right now, and he's been under pressure on more dropbacks than any other quarterback in the NFL at 75. Mm. That's not usually the type of situation where we see rookie quarterbacks succeed. So he looks... He looks special. He looks like the real deal. Um, I've got this Baltimore minus 11.5. This is minus 13.5 before it closed, but I doubt it reopens at the 13.5 with Lamar Jackson on the injury report. Even if he plays on the injury report, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, not scare or fear and that he's not 100%, so people will take the Bengals straight away. So that'll get snapped up very, very quickly. Um, so, yeah, if it does open 13.5, give me the Bengals. Um, all Joe does is cover. He just he just throws until the very end. He, if the Titanic's sinking, he's out on the front deck throwing footballs or, or trying to pull this boat up. I, I just love this guy. He's he's undefeated against the spread. He's he's the greatest. He's, he's the goat. He's, he's the betting he's, goat. He's the goat. He's good to watch. He's good to watch. Yeah, I can't see that line reopening at, at 13 or 13.5. If it does, then absolutely on the Bengals. But... Yeah, I mean, if that if that comes down to to eleven or eleven and a half, then probably go the go the other way. So it's just yeah, it's it's a no play at the know. moment. I don't know if I can bet against Joe Burrow at this point, just until he proves me wrong. Um, Buffalo at Tennessee. This is off the board. Look, I've got this picking, but like I just have no idea how to rate Tennessee with so many players on the COVID list, no practice, or they have practice, but how many of these illegal unofficially? Have, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Buffalo under a lot, like on any line under three, probably a bet, but I doubt this game even goes ahead at this point. Um, I'm of the I'm of the opinion that they should postpone the NFL for just two weeks um, in general. Um, I know that seems drastic and hard, and a lot of money probably lost in terms of TV dollars and, and everything. And there's a lot of logistics here, but um, I just think it gets too messy when you're giving teams forfeits and buys or teams not playing this week and then have to play makeup games because then you have too long in between the end of the season and playoffs and mm. all sorts of stuff. So it gets really, really messy. I think if everyone just takes two weeks off, um, then you get a clean slate. I think that's probably the way to do it. Yeah, I, I, just, I agree with all that. I think there's, um, yeah, you can't have, you can't have one or two teams being, you know, one, two, three games behind the rest of the league. Yep. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, and, and yeah, I think a, a two-week break w- would be a safe thing for the league to do, um, to to give the the competition the best chance of finishing a season. Hmm. I just don't know about handing wins to Tennessee and uh, to to Buffalo and Pittsburgh. No, I mean it's it's, it's also unfair. It's, it's just, yeah. I'm about at the same at the, at the same reason. You know, having having the Titans play 15 weeks straight or 15 games across 13 weeks or, or whatever they're talking about to, to make up is also. They've brought some of this upon themselves, sure, but yeah. it's also it's not, not fair for the for the for yeah. the you know, security of the league. It's not it's not right, yeah. and for the players that actually have done the right thing. I'm sure yep. there's some players in there that have just been absolutely just baffled by their teammates' decisions and, and management's decisions to ignore protocol and all sorts of stuff. Um, yep. I'm all for the Titans being stripped of losses. That's fine. Go go ahead <laughs> with that. Um, that's fine by me, but just don't give teams free wins. All right, yeah. let's get to actual football. Minnesota at Seattle, Sunday, Sunday night football. Seattle minus six and a half. Two playoff teams from the year prior. Total set at a whopping 57 and a half. Um, Seattle minus six and a half for me. Um, 
where are you? I'll, I'll let you go first. Where are you? Yeah, I, I love Seattle at the moment. They are so good to watch. The, the line is probably spot on, but it feels like it should be bigger based on the matchup of Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins and, and I guess a few other key matchups around the, the ground as well. Dalvin Cook really has been phenomenal. He's the Vikings' biggest weapon, but he's going to have to be at his absolute best again this week. He's done it two weeks in a row, but he's going to have to do it again because the Seahawks, you know, they've got a lot of weaknesses um, defending the pass is probably the biggest one, but their run defense is actually pretty good. They, they allow just 2.9 yards per carry, third in the league to opposing running backs. Uh, it's a pass for me just because, based on the, the feeling that I mentioned, that this could be a bit of a trap game for Seattle. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I said I like Seattle. My numbers like it. I have Seattle minus 8.5, so um, I just don't. I agree with you. Um, it does feel like it, a trap game a little bit. Um, just Seattle's defense just invites sort of a shootout in close games. It just kind of invites all of that. But then at the same time, I'm not really sure Kirk Cousins is a guy that can properly take advantage of Seattle's pass defense weakness. Um, and Seattle's kind of defensive strength in, you know, quote unquote, you know, so to speak, is is run defense and the acquisition of Stacks Harrison is going to help that. Um, but, yeah, I do think Justin Jefferson has really helped this pass offense for the for the Vikings, and he looks every bit the real deal. And um, Stefan Diggs has been probably the acquisition of the year for, for Buffalo. I, think, I feel like he's just helped Josh Allen so much. And But at the same time, I don't think the Vikings are that wrong to trade him. It wasn't working for them. They got Justin Jefferson and a stack of picks, and Jefferson looks a lot better suited to Kirk Cousins, and it's helped Adam Thielen. And, and if, if that passing attack can flourish here like it did against Houston, but even then it was a little bit patchy, um, then they've got a chance to cover. But um, while it's under a touchdown at some places, you can get six and a half. I do think that's that's worth taking under the seven. Seattle left five and one against the spread in their last six home games. Um, they've also had Minnesota's number of late. The Vikings are one and five against the spread in their last six against Seattle. So um, I like Seattle minus six and a half. Um, my numbers like it. Yeah, I'm just a bit iffy. I agree with you, a bit of a trap game. Um, all right, charges at New Orleans. New Orleans minus eight. The total is 50. Um, it's worth noting that uh, 2020 just keeps is a gift that keeps on giving, and this game feels uh, could be moved to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, actually, the Colts' home ground um, due to Hurricane Delta in uh, New Orleans. So this could be a neutral field, um, and the Saints' very little home field advantage gets eliminated to potentially zero home field advantage whatsoever. Um, I know you don't like the Chargers, but I just want to say Justin Herbert is legit. Um, I've been saying that since week two. Yeah, you since have been. he came in, since he came yeah. in, uh, yeah. yeah, this kid the is kids, legit. Yeah, he's got a cannon man, and he's already dropping buckets like in his third game. To he's just doing it with random wide receivers, Guyton, <laughs> Trevon Johnson. I don't even know if that's a real person. He's this is the kind of the the performance we're seeing from from. Um, Herbert right now is what I really wanted to see from Josh Allen in year two and year one before getting excited about Josh Allen. Um, I just wanted to see, actually, I kind of wanted to see that from Josh Allen this year. Josh Allen's just skipped this phase. He's just gone from like, you know, a five out of 10 on the scale to like a nine out of 10. And that's what's crazy. And that's what I just didn't see Mm. at at all from Josh Allen. And that's why I couldn't get on board. Yeah. I just couldn't get on board with it. It was just like a, it just seems crazy. Like he just, Alan wasn't accurate at all. Not like Herbert was, but now he obviously is. And it's just, that's crazy. Um, but Herbert looks every bit legit. And Breeze looked less washed last week. Got a stint in the dryer a little bit, I think. Um, but <laughs> look, Thomas might be back. That's enough for me to stay away here. I just need to see Breeze again. Um, it's just hard. The more, the, I finally get back on board with the Saints and then Breeze looks washed again and, I don't know how to properly rate Breeze um, at any given point, but I think Thomas back means that we get to judge him a little bit better. Um, but I think the Chargers, if this goes to a new venue, have a chance to to cover and, and potentially prefer the over the fifty. Yeah, that's if Thomas is back. I don't know, don't know yet if he'll if he'll play or not. I think yeah, it's still questionable on the injury report. But um, yep. you're right. I hate the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert. I hate the Chargers and. Like you, I just do not understand the Saints at the moment. Huge pass for me. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to see if Michael Thomas is if he's, if he's trending towards playing, but it's just hard. Yeah, to... last I checked, the, the latest update was just he's still questionable. Yeah, it's just everyone's questionable in the NFL at the moment. <laughs> it feels like there's just so many injuries at the moment. Some teams just, just wiped off. Yeah, just seems, yeah. Oh, well. Um, all right, let's uh, go to best bets. What have you got for us? Um, do we have a lock? Do we have a lock this week? Oh, yeah, let's go lock lock of the week. I feel like we're both on Jacksonville plus six and a half. Yeah, I think that's – you had some concerns, didn't you, about Jacksonville? But I have still a had few them. concerns, but my, it was, my numbers love it this week. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I left them out of my plays, even though they're my numbers favorite, but I thought it would mean that we don't double up on the lock and play, so I thought I could yep. fix it up a little bit. But, yeah, I'm probably happy to go Jacksonville plus six and a half if you are. Yep, yep, I'm happy. I think our lock got up last week as well, which makes yeah, we three, three, one, and one now. Yeah, we three, uh, one, and a push. Yeah, that's it. So we're doing pretty well um, on the old uh, on the old locks. If you're just following the lock of the week, um, yeah, I think that's always yeah. been pretty pretty profitable from memory. Like no, in the sorry, last we're, year. We're, yeah, we're four and one actually. So we, four and we one. went one and one in week two. So we had a uh, yeah, and a push. We had a push because yeah, since was it a push was it. Yeah, there was a push. There was a push with Cincy. Okay, plus three. There you I go. Think, from memory, Cincy plus six in week two. No, that was a win, and then we lost on the Saints. So it's four and uh, one. Okay. Yep. So very good, but still, still beautiful. Four and one. Doing, yep. Doing doing tremendously well on the locks of the week. Um, so yeah, well, let's go Jacksonville plus six and a half. Um, if you want to buy an extra half point and take the Jags plus seven, then I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yep. Um, if you just yep. shop around and find some the better value there on the uh, alternate handicaps or pick your own line. That that could be the way to go. But yeah. As long as you don't shortchange yourself too much. Yeah, exactly. Just, value. Yeah, be smart with that uh, with that shopping around. So what are your best bets this week? Um, yeah, Jags plus six and a half. Uh, Dallas, I think, like I said, should should be a big win. I think I, I got them to bounce back big. And I've got a player prop as a best bet. Robbie Anderson, as I said, he's averaging 94 yards. Um Per game at the moment, and you can get him at even money, dollar ninety at seventy five plus, which I, I yep. really like this week. So happy with that. Yeah, I don't mind going the player prop this week. Just yeah, it's not a great card. I really struggle to put three players more so than last week on the on the board, um, mm. especially with a lot of the games off the board as well. I mean, I, I really liked the Cincy plus thirteen and a half if that that comes back, but at the moment, the time of recording we, we're limited, so I'm going Cleveland plus two and a half. Might even take a little nibble on the money line there as well. Um, and, yeah, over 44 in Pittsburgh and, and Philly. Um, I know it doesn't seem like a great play given, you know, Pittsburgh's defense and Philly's lack of offensive production at the moment, but I just can see that creeping over in the modern NFL, the way things are trending. Right now, both, I think teams, getting, both teams have I think the ability getting, to score on defense as well. So Yeah, exactly. Six. I think we're getting six more points per game on, on average so far. It's the highest scoring uh, season on record. Um, so I just I just can't bet it under right now. It just terrifies mm. me to death. Um, and Seattle minus six and a half. Don't love it but uh, personally, but my numbers like it. And yeah, that's Russell Wilson at home in prime time. I mean... At least it's going to be a fun sweat at the at, at the end of <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, long shots, as I said, there's nowhere really up at all, and if anything, but uh, we both got one one each at least on the board here. I'm going to take the Jacksonville money line. That's how I got Jacksonville in my best bets and in plays this week. I'm going to take him at three twenty five, and you've got a DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned Jacksonville money line earlier. I probably have a little play on that as well. Um, I like DeAndre Hopkins, one hundred twenty five plus receiving yards against. Uh, that pass defense, 375, which I'd, I'd prefer a little bit more on it, but, you know, I'll, yep. I'll take it. Um, and as you mentioned, there are a few for, for Robbie Anderson as well for 100 or 125 plus, you know, at, at decent decent money fives and, and sixes. So, Yep. Alrighty, mate. Well, uh, that wraps up uh, week five of the uh, the Punt Return podcast. Um, have, a, have a good week and uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk all things week five. Hopefully there, there is a week five. Yeah, fingers crossed. It. Hope, hopefully, everyone continues to stay safe. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll back we might next be week. talking weeks. We might be talking week six in a couple of weeks at this point. Who knows? <laughs> so we might get a little bit of a, a mini holiday, mid-season holiday. Um, but uh, as we get closer and closer to the midway point, we'll get James back on for an updated look at futures and things. We might do uh, two pods that week. But you know, yep. as always, 
Um, check us out. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Punt, at, punt Return Pod on Twitter. You can follow Nick on Twitter as well, at Nick Splitter. You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. And, uh, just we'll just out of week. Twitter jail. Just out of Twitter jail as we, yeah, as we record this. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>